Welcome to the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast. This is episode 125. Today, we're continuing our positional series. From last week. Yes. <laughs> uh, if you listen to last week's episode, derailed. It was a New Year catch-up episode that started with full intentions of being this episode. But here we are. And we got 20 minutes in and we're like, maybe we should scrap it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yes. Episode, what number did you say, Kieran? 125. 125. 125. Mm. Adam Childs, Kieran Lefebvre. Let's get the energy up where your, your intro was very... Welcome. Oh, it's it's been very beyond. calm. Welcome. Yeah. welcome. The, oh, you just came. Oh, that's right. ASMR. You just came off recording one of your ASMR videos. Yes. So very, yeah. I was licking the microphone <laughs> and yeah. I'd, yep. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, yeah. So continuing the positional series, mm-hmm. we have already done back control and mount, mm-hmm. which from memory would have been episode um, 122 and 123. Nailed it. Uh and now we're going to the side control episode. For if you haven't listened to one of these episodes before, has a kind of uh, <laughs> we we try to follow a similar format for each episode. Obviously, we have our intro, talk about some concepts with the position, attacking, defending the position, uh, resources, and like sort of closing thoughts around Summaries, it. Yeah. Um, resources is in like you know instructionals or whatever for the yeah. for that position, and yeah, some closing thoughts. However, slight, we'll be following that structure, but there's some recent videos and people talking about this position that, um, you know, those things have synced up nicely. So we'll obviously talk a little bit about that. Yeah. And just as a quick shout out, if you are watching the video version on YouTube or Spotify, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. It really helps, by the way. You'll notice that Adam and I are wearing the same shirt. We've we've oh, yeah. uh, decided to coordinate outfits. <laughs> so from, oh, yeah. from now on, we will be always be wearing the same shirt, same pants, and sharing it's, some undies. It's it's funny because when I when I when I arrived, you know, and I took my jacket off and we saw we had the same shirt. So we had a little bit of a laugh. And you even said, Oh man, I thought this was gonna happen, and I had a conversation in my head, blah, blah, blah. It's funny that you had that conversation in your head because I didn't have the same one. However, I did have an internal outfit conversation. Mm. Outfit, like it's for me. <laughs> in my head when I was getting dressed this morning because, um, you know, we've got the, the Vantage Jiu-Jitsu T-shirts. Yeah. And obviously, you know, I have lots of them already because when I made the T-shirts, you know, I obviously made a bunch for myself. And so I have personally enough Vantage Jiu-Jitsu T-shirts to wear a different one every day of the week if I wanted to. But obviously I, I that's- would. Yeah. <laughs> um, And so as I was getting changed, I grabbed one and I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure like the last 80 podcast episodes I'm wearing a Vantage Jiu-Jitsu yeah. T-shirt. I was like, I'll mix it up. ADCC T-shirt. So <laughs> I had an internal, you know, T-shirt conversation and then- Yeah, here we are. Both and then wearing here we are. ADCC shirts. Twinsies. Well, today, Adam, we are talking about the position of side control. Mm -hmm. Now, I think it's prudent that we start with Craig Jones' statements on this position. Recently, Craig has been uh, helping um, Alexander the Great Volkanovsky prepare for his uh, UFC bout against the uh, UFC champion Islam Makachev. And in that sort of camp and leading up to it and and on on videos that Craig has put out on the B team YouTube channel check it out it's really awesome Craig has said that in his opinion 
side control top is a bad position. Now, there has been another YouTube channel, uh, Less Impressed, More Involved BJJ, also an awesome channel, that made a video on side control and used Craig's statements as like an intro and a lead magnet, if you were lead in to the, the episode and spoke about going uh, using side control to get chest to chest and, and different positions to get chest to chest. And in that video and in Craig's sort of comments, the, the key points that you can draw from that is that the reason that side control top is a bad position in, in his opinion is because particularly in Nogi, when you're in side control top, your focus is using your upper body, upper body to pin and dominate your opponent's body. So essentially you have eliminated your opportunity to attack. It's a controlling position. It's a, a transitional position, if you will, a, a pinning position. So as soon as you start to use your up, upper body to implement some attacks on your opponent, that gives your an opponent the opportunity to escape. And you frequently get into positions where either your, your head is on the wrong side or if you go for head control and hip control, then you open up other opportunities. So it's a position that is very difficult to control and attack at the same time. In contrast, if you compare that to something like mount, you can achieve both because you're pinning your opponent with your hips over theirs and your body weight on theirs. And then your upper body is free to attack submissions. So that is sort of the the, the general consensus. There's, there's some more points here, uh, but what is your initial opinion on that? Uh, yeah, I, d- I don't necessarily disagree. I mean, the the two videos you reference, I actually haven't seen Craig's video. I saw the um, the the other channel's video talking about it, and yeah. So, do I agree with the statement if you take that sort of um, out of context statement? Side control top is a bad position. That statement alone, do I agree with that? No. Not not at all, right? Um, But with the context of everything else, I think more accurately I would say that, um, you know, side control top position is good, but there's better positions. That would be sort of my my sentence because, yeah, that's kind of right. You you do have – you have a limited amount of resources at your disposal and you do have to use the majority of them – to just retain side control. Mm. However, um, there are a lot of variables to consider. Like the first one straight off the bat is the, I would, the further we move away from no gi and look at gi, the more I disagree with that statement. Definitely. Just because of the fact that, you know, what you can achieve with one particular gi grip, right, can give you a huge amount of control. Like, you know, let's say, for example, the very well-known one where let's say you've got a, a cross face, your typical cross face underhook control, and you pass your opponent's lapel under their own shoulder and armpit to the to your own hand that's controlling their head. Like that one grip alone can offer you a huge amount of control. Yeah. Obviously, you can grab the pants to make it hard for people to regard and all this sort of stuff. And people have got to worry about you know, a lapel grip. So, so sorry, let me back it up. You know, Craig saying, oh, you're essentially having to commit your, your upper body just to control them, just to pin, you, pin them. So then when you start using your upper body, 
to look for attacks and submissions, you give up some control. Mm. It's not necessarily the same in the gi because in the gi you can be using a lapel grip as a controlling pinning grip, but that can also then instantly be, depending on the the, posi- the, the, the submission you're going for, that can then instantly become the grip that you also need for a particular submission. So exactly, I, I wouldn't say it applies as much in the gi, but to some extent it still does apply to the gi because exactly like you said, a position like mount where for lack, you know, to, to simplify it, you are using your hips to pin them, mm-hmm. right? Your arms are then more or less free just to look for submissions. Mm-hmm. Obviously it's not as simple as that. So I do uh, – agree and disagree and that kind of puts us into I guess conceptually talking about site control which is the first format we really try to follow with this positional series yeah I don't think it's fair just to completely write it off uh, because one of the like you know I teach a lot of things in the class that often you'll almost never use but it's because you know it exists and your opponent knows it exists that it then becomes a a useless technique so the the classic one is you know an americana from mount when was the last time you saw in a professional jiu-jitsu match i don't think i've ever seen an americana in a professional jiu-jitsu match yeah yeah or at least not from mount right like you might see it from side control or that sort of top crucifix not a crucifix but you know that sort of top side control crucifix position which you sometimes see in mma as well right get the the americana yeah Yeah. obviously in mma they'll be dropping elbows but you know (laughs) you see that sort of position uh but yeah from mount like never or at least not since whatever the 90s in jiu-jitsu whatever but if you then just straight up write off that position or that submission people are then going to think, you know, as time goes on, people will think it doesn't exist and whatever and therefore they don't learn that they need to react a certain way. Like it's the fact that mechanically an Americana from Mount works, right? But the reason it doesn't work in professional setting is because it's so easy to defend, right? But if you don't know it exists and know that it legitimately mechanically works and you never learn it in the first place, you're never going to learn that you need to, you know, turn to your side or whatever to defend it. And so at a, a at a basic level, I'll teach an Americana from Mount. Obviously, that's also an important thing for beginners to learn anyway because we take for granted people who already train uh, assumed knowledge that we have yep, and definitely. we forget that people don't have that, you know. So you you can't overstate that. A beginner doesn't even understand that a shoulder is not supposed to bend that way or whatever. So you're also learning fundamental body mechanics. Yeah, and it's yeah. the same a few episodes back where we had that little discussion as to why self-defense is so important to teach yes. for beginners. And it's just about learning fundamental movements. And anyway, uh, so yeah, you'll teach an Americana at a basic level and it's more to, let's say they're past that level of understanding basic mechanics, but then it's learning the, figure four grip. It's yeah, figure control. four grip and, you know, oh, turn to your side and now that mm. creates the opportunity to attack an armbar or whatever. So if we put that same concept essentially to side control, it's a similar sort of thing. So just your ability to start putting pressure in certain ways is perhaps not going to get you that far side armbar submission or that north-south choke or whatever, but it's going to f- 
force the turn to turtles. So then, you know, you can go for your anaconda or you can take the back or whatever it is, or it's going to force them to, to bridge, which then means now they can't trap your leg as you transition over to mount or, or whatever. But if you just scrape it back and go side control tops a bad position, therefore the person on the bottom doesn't need to learn anything because the, they're actually in the better position. Mm. Like, no, that's a obvious. And that's taking that one sentence side control top is bad position kind of out of context. But, um, that's clearly not what Craig means. He doesn't mean that in his gym at B team, they don't teach side control escapes because it's bad. Like it's, of, it's, it's not it at all. Of yeah. course. And you know that, uh, so let, let's go into some more details about conceptually side control as well, because I, do I prefer side control to, to mount or back control? No, not necessarily. Yeah. Um, probably, Sometimes in the gi, I was just thinking for sure. That, yeah. Like, because all uh, you know, when I'm in the gi, I like to use all the lapels, yeah, and all the resources that are at my disposal when I'm in the gi. If I'm not going to use gi grips, I mean, why why even put the gi on? I may as well just train no gi. So I like to use everything that uh, that maybe, I have available. Maybe we should. <laughs> yeah. So I like to use everything that's available to me. So I I I like side control in the gi, no gi, I definitely prefer like mount or, or back control. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't like side control in no gi and I've discovered that recently. And it's funny watching this video and listening to Craig, it's sort of it, now I understand like at a high level, the concept as to why I don't like it. But the reason that I have not been having so much success with it is because when I've trained with higher and higher level people or as people in the gym are getting better and better defending, in no gi, it's 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 very difficult to attack from from side control in no yep. gi. You can argue that even uh, even mount is difficult to attack yeah. in no gi. Very. And you look at there's even in the professional circuit, there's not many of the guys who successfully finish from mount. Mm. There's like we're talking less than the one, the the top one percent. We're pretty much just talking about Gordon Ryan. You know, yeah. most of the guys, like the person on the bottom, will manage to get to their side or whatever. That's going to result in a back take and mm-hmm. and whatever else. There's like go back and watch some some professional no gi matches, and there's not many of the dudes who can finish from mount top. Mm. Right. Uh, and then you you generally find a lot of the time they're they're sitting off to an armbar or another attack or something along. Well, those yeah, lines. I mean, I guess an arm. I mean, that's still a submission from mount, right? Mm. Like taking the the armbar from mount. Mm. But um, but anyway, like back to side control concepts. So, and the the reason we structure this is because in this format is because the 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 concepts lead straight into attacking and, uh, you know, whatever you learn attacking, you just kind of flip it on its head and you're learning the defensive part. Yeah. But uh, conceptually, I've been saying like limited resources a lot. Yeah. You, there's only so much of them you can control and you've got, uh, you know, essentially four pinpoints that the two hips and the two shoulders. Okay. And one of the best I like to do this example in the gym to express to people the importance of weight distribution. Okay. Because if you haven't had the the pleasure or displeasure yet of training with someone who's like 40 kilos lighter than you, but feels like they're 40 kilos heavier than you, you know, if you've never been, if you're like me, someone who's like a hundred kilos, 
Um, but even when I was younger and at my lightest competing weight of 88 kilos, you know, I would train with people who were 50, 60 kilos and they'd be heavier than me. So I used to train with Michael Lange. If you don't know who that is, he was kind of the reigning supreme lightweight gi fighter until sort of um, Leandro Lowe, as Leandro Lowe came up through the weight divisions. Lowe was the guy that, you know, Lange kind of couldn't beat. But Lange himself, I think, is a four-time world champion, really known for spider guard and whatever. Man, he was so heavy. Like his his mount or side control or whatever it was, whenever he was on top, he felt heavier than some of the 100-kilo guys I would train with. Obviously, there was a massive skill difference as well. But still, you know, when I'm like a, a, a blue belt, purple belt in a competitive gym who's pushing that, 90 to 100 kilos and he's you know 70 kilos but it's because of how his ability to put his weight on a dime and the example I like to teach in the gym is to stress the importance of this is I'll get someone lying on their back and I'll say okay I want you to just turn to your side not as in do a hip escape just imagine you're someone who doesn't train jiu-jitsu I just want you to you know roll roll onto your side and I will go into a push-up position, one hand on top of the other, and I'll be in a push-up position with my hands on their near side shoulder. And I'll say, turn to your side, right? And they obviously easily turn to their side. And then I'll do the same thing, but put my hands on their far shoulder. And they can't turn to their side. It's like, well, I haven't added any more weight. It's the same amount of weight. It's just the first example, it was in the wrong spot. You know, so if you can move your weight around to the correct spot at the correct time, that's how you stay heavy. It's understanding what body part needs to be pinned. Going back to what Craig said, you know, there's four parts of them that you need to pin, but, you know, it's just kind of near impossible to pin all four at once, right? Which is why you're having to commit like upper body control just to pin two of those four. And then once you let go of it to start attacking, with all that being said, I believe you can create a good amount of control and pressure to force that movement. So even if we if we ignore gi for a second, because like we established in gi, it's not that big of a deal. You have so many grips that you can use. But in no gi, we don't have that. I believe you can still have a good amount of control that can force some type of movement and reaction as to, as to how to start setting up attacks. You know, so um, one of the most annoying ones to escape is definitely when you have near side head control and hip control, because on paper, it pretty much forces the only escape for you to turn the person on the bottom to turn away, which yep. then exposes the back. It's and my it, favorite at the moment. Yeah, it, yeah. it's very, it's very difficult to, to, to escape, right? Mm. Um, so that would be conceptually my, my overview of side control. It's like understanding that there's, you know, I've got a phone right in front of me. It's like, yeah, it's like a phone. You've got the four corners, the two shoulders and the two hips, and you need two of them controlled, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, ideally more, but realistically, you, you can't really control more than two inside control, a bit more in the gi with your grips and stuff. But, you know, and you want to use the two controls you have to start forcing, to start hurting cattle. It was one of the first ways that jiu-jitsu was explained to me conceptually was that, yeah, it's kind of like a cattle dog herding sheep, you know, like a cattle dog herd sheep essentially by, you know, 
giving them only one option, which is to go into the into the pen or the go through the gate that they have to go. They have nowhere else to go. It is the only option. Or, you know, another way was it explained to me, I'm trying to create a situation where you have two choices, but both of them are good for me. You know, like yeah. I don't care which gate you go through because both of them lead to your fucked. Right? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, um, that's what you're trying to do. If, if we're talking about attacking, what attacks are we looking to do from side control? I definitely, yeah, no gi wise. I think at a, at a higher level, it's definitely more limited. And as to why that is, I think we'll understand a bit more when we talk about defending. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you're cause can, can you find a YouTube video where someone's like heel hook from side control? <laughs> of course you can. You can find a video where someone like dives on the legs from the top or whatever, yeah. but typically your attacks from side control top, you're looking at, um, mostly like, uh, arm triangles, dust chokes. Okay. Uh, and you know, arm bars and, transitioning to mounted triangle a lot of transitioning right yeah Uh, it happens from side control so uh, attacking in my opinion yeah you're really trying to it's very similar to what i said with concepts you're trying to force force their hand to one way or the other right and if you if you can commit a lot to you know one arm it's potentially going to expose the other arm right which is a is something i really like to teach as well when people talk about their side control top and the person's got the frame under their, their neck and the frame on the hip. And they're like, oh, I can't progress from here. It's kind of like, well, very simple when you think about it, but you kind of just attack the arm that you don't want, right, which then exposes the other arm, mm. right? So if I want to get up under that near side elbow so I can get that tricep up on my quad so I can transition to mount or whatever, I'll like start attacking that arm that's under my that's neck. That's framing, yeah. Yeah, and – People struggle to defend multiple things at once, okay, and uh, or or struggle to multitask, so to speak, because people, the brain can't really actually do those two things at once. I mean, I'm <laughs> clearly not a scientist. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. But, yeah, <laughs> but uh, and this, I could be wrong. This could be one of those things that I just heard somewhere, but turns out is fake. But I believe it's correct that there's actually no such thing as multitasking. Yeah, it's task switching. Yeah, yeah, it's just your brain's ability to switch quickly. So the two things that you think you're doing simultaneously, you're actually not, right? Your brain is just incredibly quickly switching between the two things. So it seems like they're happening at the same time. Uh, And it's funny because when it's it's defensive, it's much harder to do that because offensively you can do – you can attack two things at once. It's why there's – you learn things called a double attack, right? That – Defensively, that's very hard to do because it usually requires your full attention on to defend one particular thing. Because if you don't give your full attention, you lose it. You lose it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So attacking for me inside control is all about controlling two of those those pinning positions and force forcing their hand. And I'll happily take w- whatever. Right in the gi, I'm very comfortable to submit from side control. But yeah, in no gi, my submission attempts will quite often result in a back take or a transition to mount or or something like that yeah i can't i I was was thinking about how often i actually submit someone staying inside control and if they're equal skill equal experience we'll say um it's very very rare and you're you're exactly right it's like creating opportunities to transition 
And that transition requires, you know, you gave the example having their tricep on your quad. Therefore, you use your attack to open up that opportunity. Or alternatively, they roll to their side, you take their back. Or alternatively, you go to north-south and take the Kimura grip that you just fought for. It, you know, um, and, and that's pretty much what I've been doing in Nogi side control is using it as a staging ground to transition. Now, I did want to ask you, we're not talking about north-south specifically, and north-south is definitely a different position to side control. But when we look at side control in Nogi, a lot of the time people will use it to transition to north-south. And in my view, and this is a question that I wanted to ask you at some point, in my view, north-south is is not a bad position because unlike side control, you're using your your upper body and your weight pinning your opponent and you essentially are freeing your arms slightly because you're using your chest on their your, their head and shoulders to to use your weight distribution to pin down their shoulders and then you have your arms that are free to attack. Unlike side control, you're using your upper body to achieve the same controlling mechanism. So in your in your opinion, um, what do you think about north-south versus side control in Nogi? Yeah, I would actually, uh, I would actually disagree with that because I think that nogi is worse of a position than it used to be. Uh, sorry, did I say nogi? Yeah, I, I, I believe north south is a worse position than it used to be, okay. and the, the reason for that is because I think it's it's a good way to 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 pass and land in north south. You know, we see that. From the Rotolo brothers, you know they do their, uh, right. their leg yep. pinning stuff. From north, you south. get round, yeah. and and they pass straight to north south. Mm. However, it's not your your chest and upper body pinning their shoulders. It, it has to be pinning their hips, right? right? And why? So if you look at people when they pass to north south and consolidate into they north south, they dive into their hips. Yeah, their shoulder will mm. essentially be on the opponent's belly button. Yeah. And why north-south is not as good of a position as it used to be is because of people's ability to invert. So if you have no, if you're north-south top and you're just essentially chest-to-chest, shoulder-to-shoulders, the person invert. on the bottom is going to invert every yeah. fucking time. Yeah. And like not only invert, like invert and roll up to your back. Yeah. Okay, And when people were worse at inverting and inverting wasn't – you know, this is more of a back roll, but I mean, I guess the ability to fold in half, yeah. right, over the back of your neck, you know, wasn't as big of an issue. So now you can pass to north-south, but even just keeping north-south, you pretty much have to have your shoulder like pinning their hips. Mm-hmm. You can't – like when you're regular side control, you can be chest-to-chest and keep their shoulders pinned – and obviously their hips have a bit more mobility, but because of the angle and the proximity of your hips to their hips, inverting as a means of escaping is much more difficult. But yeah. when you're north-south, if I'm not controlling your hips and I'm just pinning your shoulders, you have so much added hip mobility that you're going you're gonna to back roll out or if you don't back roll out, you're going to create enough space to bring a shin in in front of my collarbone or something like that. You know, so um, – I think north-south is a fine position, but I would say it's even more limited than or or it's even less likely that you're going to be able to attack and whatever from north-south nowadays than it used to be. Yeah, right. 
You know, does that make sense? Like it think does, about yeah. the times you've had people like back Throw roll their out legs. of your, yeah. And even if they don't, south. even if they don't roll all the way to my back or whatever, they might it, regard exactly. Or, so they, or they throw their legs up and they can just spin themselves exactly. And then you end up in this shitty, uh, you know, double shin sort of shin guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Come so, to think of it. so watch the. I mean, yeah, the Rotolo brothers are a great example. Watch when they pass mm-hmm. to north south. They essentially get round to north south. Mm-hmm. The person's inverting on them and they're kind of holding the shins yep. and then they just yeet dive, the legs yeah. away and dive in like a rugby tackle to get their shoulder specifically to the hip, to the belly button because mm. you have to get in between the quads and the chest. Yeah. Right? And then and, what, then normally – And then they'll come they back around yeah. to side, side control. Side control and then to progress right? their position from side control. Yeah. So they use it oh, – it's funny. They use it as a means to go to side control, whereas I'm talking about side control as a means to go to north-south. Yeah. But it doesn't no, work. Like, so north-south when your opponent is on their side is fine because you, you can attack the Kimura, that. You the can Kimura, take the back. The, yep. Yeah, like all the sort of like variations of the Prado Plata and Takio Plata and yep. all those sorts of things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that would be my opinion on it. Just before we move on to defending, I, I just want to circle back to it, attacking. I also really like – uh, attacking from side control, doing a lot of baiting. Now, I stress this in the gym as well. Whenever you're baiting someone, as the as the the literal description of the word suggests, like it's you're trying to trick them, you're trying to bait them into something. And I always say, you know, why do you think in fishing, like there's so much effort put into making fishing lures look like a real fish? Because if a fish is smart enough to go, that's bait, I'm not taking it. Well, you know, that's <laughs> same with people, right? So if someone knows you're baiting them, they won't take the fucking bait, right? It's your ability to kind of sell it. And, uh, yeah, I really like to bait people uh, when I'm side control top to turn to turn into me with an underhook because let's see if you'll get this. Like what's, what's my – What's the submission in Nogi that I do all the time and I really like? I wonder if it's if I've done it to you enough that it's like seared. From that brain. position from uh, the just, Well, I mean, maybe just in general. Nogi specifically. Well, when, as soon as you said turn in with an underhook, I thought Das. Yeah. So I absolutely love yeah. Das jokes. I do Das jokes all the time. Yeah. It would probably be at least 50% of my Nogi finishes would be Das yeah. jokes. Mm-hmm. I got really long arms, and they on one particular side, it's just locks in so savage for me. I really like. Yeah, it's it. when your it's when your uh, right arm is under, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah and yeah. you shoot your right arm because you you don't just shoot normally. You shoot and drop to your side yeah, to yeah, yeah. to catch it, and because your arms are so long, like you don't always need to, but you can, and it's it's ridiculous. Like, yeah, I really like them. So I'll I'll often concede the underhook. All the time Shoot from the side best. control, from half guard, whatever. But it's all it's all as a bait to mm. to go for a dust stroke. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you could obviously sometimes it backfires, right? And the person gets the underhook, gets to turtle, whatever. They've created a, s- a scramble. They're up mm. on a single leg and, well, fuck, but that's jujitsu. Yep. <laughs> if we go to defending and, like I said, we'll circle back and, and – talk about why it can be so hard to attack and create transi- and why it's more kind of a transitional position. I think especially in Nogi, because what is, what's like an inherent ability that wrestlers have, right? To get their shoulders off the mat. To not be on their fucking yeah. back, right? Because yeah. if, and to some degree, judo guys too, right? But I mean, not so much, not, not, 
not like a, a wrestler. A wrestler's ability to not be flat on the bat on their back, to not have their shoulders pinned mm-hmm. to the mat, because for a wrestler, that's match over. You lost, mm-hmm. right? So that's uh, why it's very difficult in nogi, and especially if we're talking about Craig and the at the the level that he's training and competing with the best guys in the world that we know nowadays more and more people coming from wrestling, particularly in the U S obviously these guys are coming in, you know, these like, man, this guy's only been training for six months and he's telling everyone up. He's like, dude's a fucking division one wrestler, bro. Like yeah. shit, you know? Well, that, that's a really good example that you, you just touched on because Craig, as I mentioned in the intro at the moment is training Volkanovsky for Islam Makachev. Islam Makachev is a, very, very elite wrestler. So from that context of training Volk for Markachev, and he's saying that side control top is a bad position, looking at the context of who he's working with for what, it makes perfect sense to what you're saying because Islam is not going to stay in side control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you you probably wouldn't want to and even if if you could, like Craig said, it's going to cost – 200% 200% of his resources just to retain that position. And as why? soon as he opens up to punch or to yeah. go somewhere else, he's lost it. You know, he'll be out. Yeah. Uh, and you don't want to be scrambling with a wrestler of his caliber. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and then taking that to jujitsu, that's why all these other, you know, positions of the guy's going to get his shoulders off the mat. So that's mm. when you can do a dust choke or that's when you can take the back or whatever else, you know. So, that's why I guess the position is bad. But, yeah, that's part of defending as well. So if I conceptually have a beginner and I want to – and they're really struggling to get out of side control, I'll say something like, man, all like, you invoke your inner wrestler and I say, I just don't want your shoulders on the mat. Get the fuck to your side. Right? And obviously when you learn any, anything new, there will be some form of regression – but then you'll get this person who then becomes incredibly difficult to hold down, right? And yeah, maybe there's going to be they're going to go through a period of time where they they don't feel like they're escaping side control because every time they get their shoulder off the mat, they get their back taken, they get dust choked, the guy transitions to mount or whatever. Yeah. But then you go, okay, but you're going to build on that because now you've become incredibly good at getting your sho- at least one of your shoulders off the mat that now we're going to build on that and we're going to get you real. Let's say, for example, they get really good at turning to turtle, right? So they're like, but then from there, they're always getting punished. It's like, okay, but that's not, not a bad thing, right? Mm. You've a lot of side control escapes go through turtle. Yeah. So you've now learned how to essentially escape side control because you can yeah. get off your back. Turtle's a guard, people. Turtle's yeah, a yeah, fucking yeah. guard. Like. But, you know, <laughs> now we're going to get you really good at recovering from turtle yeah. or, you know, whether that's you're a regard. To, or you're going to do that naturally anyway because you're spending so much time in turtle because you're able to get there. Yeah, right. And then, you know, so if you can get your, your shoulders off the mat mm. – at, on the simplest form, you just say to someone, do nothing other than I don't care if you belly out, get your yeah. shoulders off the mat. You're going to, that's a skill that is just going to make you very difficult to keep inside control. And it goes back to what Craig's saying, back to talking about wrestlers, right? Yeah. That's why, you know, wrestlers to escape side control, all they really need to learn how to do is add into what they already know not getting guillotined, yeah. right? Because wrestlers, green wrestlers who come over to jujitsu, 
go through a period of time of just instantly getting guillotined all the time. Mm. Right? Let's, I'm saying wrestlers who have no jiu-jitsu experience, they come in and I used to train with wrestlers slash MMA guys who they would do these submission wrestling classes that weren't. They were just uh, essentially like open mat wrestling. These guys did no jiu-jitsu, no, and I would get taken down every single time and every single time they would get guillotined or triangled, Yep, you know, because they but in, they didn't really care because they thought they were like, oh, I won, I got, you oh, ta- I got yeah, the takedown. Right? <laughs> and so re- wrestlers yeah, totally. who, who come over, they don't even almost need to learn a technical side control escape. They just need to learn and understand that, you know, if they turn to turtle, get to their knees, that people can do dar strokes, anaconda chokes yeah. and whatever. And once they like add that on, it's like, yeah, like I said, they don't even need to learn a technical you know, side control escape. They mm. just need to learn how to do what they already do while not getting submitted, right? Do you think side control is such a problem for beginners because the escapes are generally very uh, counterintuitive, i.e. you need to turn into your opponent rather than turn away? Because if I think back to being a beginner and if someone has you in side control, you want to turn away from them and that's like the wrong thing to do or you or in the illustration that you just gave us um, previously where you spoke about distribution of weight, you can't turn away because you, that knee shoulder's mm. pinned. Yeah. Um, um, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think sort of because turning away is not a bad thing, but it's it's only a good thing if you know how to like Granby roll or something like yeah. to turn away and invert and regard yeah. from there. And again, there's you know the 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 line between gi and no gi is only getting like thicker yeah. as you know day by day. So you know, like you could almost have two completely different discussions, but. Yeah, so I think there's it's also counterintuitive to turn away and invert, right? Like, yeah, no beginners know. doing that. <laughs> yeah, so so yeah, I think there's definitely some 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 truth to what you're saying, but I think yeah, beginners really struggle with it just because of beginners, especially in Australia. I've ne- I've never met someone as an Australian who grew up in Australia has come to jiu-jitsu and they have a wrestling background. Very, like, very odd. Like yeah. I've never seen it. We don't have wrestling as a sport in Australia really like at all, mm. especially not in schools. Mm. There's like not or college or university or anything. It's unheard of. Yeah. So um, yeah, they just don't have that understanding of, of, of getting off their back and all the other stuff that goes with it frames and, mm. but then they frame and they get armbar yeah. or whatever. Um, but I think the other reason that beginners, not even necessarily day one beginners, but just lesser experienced people as a whole struggle with any defensive movement is they just have the wrong mentality about it, which is that it will always, always be hard. So this is another thing I like to get through to my students is I've seen so many students where they learn a movement, they learn, let's say, a side control escape, and then they're like, oh, cool, finally I'll, I'll be able to get out of side control, and then it goes to rolling and they can't do it. And they're like, well, that doesn't work. And it's kind of like it's just the wrong mentality because, A, nothing works all the time, but also – if all things are equal, if you had a clone of yourself, why should you get out of side control, right? It's, you, it's, you're at a disadvantage. You know, it's kind of like, it's, okay, we had the, the FIFA World Cup recently. It's kind of like saying like, you know, okay, we've got Argentina mm. and then we clone Argentina and it's Argentina versus Argentina. But one team 
gets to start with two goals already. Why should the team with zero goals ever win, mm. right? If all things are equal, why would the team at a disadvantage, there's two clone copies, why would the person at a disadvantage ever win? Mm. So it's the same thing kind of with side control. If all things are even and equal, why should you get out? Right? Like think about the amount of time, flip that on your head. I bet you that same person who's, you know, struggling to get out because the technique doesn't work or whatever has also had times where their side control top, the person on the bottom's escaped and they've thought to themselves, why, you know, how did they get out? I'm in the better position. Right? Side control doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. a bad position. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and that goes for everything. Like there's yeah. times when people are on someone's back and the person escapes and, you know, you can't sit there and go, back how, how, did, how did he, how did he escape my back control? How come I couldn't finish him? I've got the better position. You can't say that argument, but then also say, how come I couldn't get out? Mm. I know the technique. Mm. No, man. Do you, bro? Yeah. <laughs> so if, and, and I mean, it doesn't even have to be all things equal, you know, like, like just for argument's sake, I'll just, let's say I'm a black belt, right? And if all I need is a competent brown belt, purple belt, even blue belt, right? Like, but just to give a, you know, a, a, a clear line belt, right? I'm a black belt, but if I have a brown belt side control top on me, I may not get out or mm. if I do, it's going to be incredibly difficult because even though there's a, a bit of a skill gap, right, not necessarily, obviously there's yeah, plenty yeah. of brown belts who are better than me, but you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like because um, there's a skill gap because I'm the higher belt doesn't mean I will get out or if I do, it will be easy. Mm. Of course, fucking not. Like I'm at a disadvantage, you know? Like so, yeah, I think a lot of people – doing any sort of defensive movement have the wrong idea. And those same sort of people take it into being like, oh, I know how to escape a triangle. Why didn't I – it didn't work. Well, you're in a fucking triangle, bro. Like <laughs> n- now it's the two Argentinian teams, but your your team is starting five zip. Yep. You know, like, fuck, it's going to be even harder. But you're not Argentina. Yeah. You're Australia. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you and now, now it's Argentina versus Australia and Argentina already has five goals. Exactly. Why should you fucking win? Right? So I think that's just yeah. people have the, the wrong mentality sometimes sometimes about yeah. that sort of thing. Um, yeah. I, going back to defending uh, and a conceptual advice that I give and this, if you've been listening to all these positional episodes, you, you would have already been like, well, I heard you say this the last two times. Well, because it's true in essentially every position. Mm. But again, I want to say it because maybe some people, you know, this is the only one they're listening to. Um if we so going back to talking about the the four points of side control, the person on top can kind of really only pin two at a time. So let's say they're pinning both your shoulders or controlling both your shoulders. It is the wrong thing to do to use your shoulders to free your shoulders, right? Like um, you want to use your hips, which have all the mobility, to buy space for your shoulders and if they're controlling your hips you use your shoulders to free your hips so a very simple example would be if you know if you were holding onto my wrist with one hand right instead of me just trying to pull that one arm away I'm going to use my whole other free arm to push you away while I pull my arm away you know so you want to use what is less controlled like they're your resources, they're your teammates, bro. Like call in, call in the air support to free mm. your shoulders, you know. And that's why going back to like I was saying with North South, 
You know, that if you're actually just pinning their shoulders from north-south, they have a huge amount of hip mobility and their hips are going to free their shoulders big time, right? So um, that kind of goes across all defending or especially escaping pins, right? Use what's, what's free. If they're controlling one shoulder, one hip, then well, you you that's a bit harder to deal with, but you have to use the one free shoulder and one hip you have to try free one of those other ones, right? Which is why the very well-known escape you see when someone has near side head control, near side hip control is they'll turn away, mm. right? So, and then, and then they'll essentially Granby roll free that other hip and regard from there. So that's a really important defending concept across, across all positions. Yeah. Even in like leg locks, I think I saw this thing. It may have been in that um, more impressed, less involved um, BJJ video where Danaher was talking about in leg lock positions, more than 90% of the time, the, the reason people escape or how people escape is using their free leg to save their trap leg. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's why you see, I mean, a, a little different now, Like, but it's why you typically see guys enter into the saddle, for example, and instantly reach for that free leg. To take double trouble. Yeah, yeah. to, to control, control the leg that their opponent will use to escape. Mm-hmm. Nowadays at the at the top, 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 top guys, it's a little bit more like what Craig said recently where he said um, at the professional level, the days of kind of being in these leg entanglement positions and being able to dig the heel and whatever mm-hmm. kind of don't exist anymore because people are so good at defending. It's kind of like, man, if I, don't, if I haven't dug the heel and got a bite on the entry to the leg entanglement, I'm probably not going to get it. And particularly, but we're talking about the top one percent dudes in the the, world, right? Top G's, yeah, yeah. Obviously, there's plenty of world class black belts that aren't at that level, and they're still going to have leg entanglement battles. Yeah, but but you know what I mean. And then you have all those back attacks and like um, counter leg lock, uh, you know, moves nowadays. That if you don't catch a bite, a perfect example is if you go for like some sort of outside ashy. For those that don't know, it's where your legs are on the outside, straight leg entanglement, but your legs are on the outside of the opponent. Yeah, kind of like if you were getting leg dragged. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're putting yourself into a leg drag. If you don't catch that bite on the entry, you You will always get smashed. Yeah, a lot of the time you'll get, you'll cop a leg drag or you'll you'll cop a back take or something. Obviously nowadays there's more, you know, there's the counter to the counter to the counter, 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 counter. Yeah, yeah. The perfect... It actually, I was thinking about it the other day how I think a lot of the the weight behind these professional athletes' words are lost when it comes to instructionals and- Specifically uh, instructionals? Sort of. Like, I mean, that out of context sounds really bad, but what I mean is- you know, that's there's so people there's so much like get rich quick instructionals that come out. So guys like Gordon or Craig are a, are a bit different, right? Or the, you know, these people who have solidified themselves at the top yep. and you know continue to release instructionals and content as the jujitsu game evolves, mm-hmm. right? But there's just a lot of you know. The point I'm trying to make is last year Craig was here, taught a seminar with the false reap and was like, this is, you know, because so many people are taking the back with, 
you know, K-guard entries because mm. you elevate your hips before the legs entangled. People do a wedge bolo, take your back, blah, 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 blah. You know, we do it this way so you avoid that. You can't get your back taken when you do it. And then it's like, but one of your students has an instructional on how to take the back when people do a full sweep. You know, like, I mean, yep. like, you know, and yeah. so it's kind of like there's, there's just multiple instructionals without people just being okay with the fact that nothing works 100% of the time. If, if something worked 100% of the time, that would be the that would be jujitsu. Yeah, that one move, and everyone would do it, and the sport would be over, and it exactly. would suck, right? Like, yeah. yeah so there's th- counters to everything, and there's counters to those counters. Yeah, and, and then counters to the counters to the and, counters. And something counters that you and, you mentioned uh, recently as well, and people just rename shit, bro. Like, yeah, you want to <laughs> fucking, uh, fuck, fucking you bring up the roll. fucking uh, what is it called? Jabroni, Jabroni roll. roll. Yeah. Okay. Let's look. <laughs> no, let it. me just quickly go over it for people who <laughs> don't know, right? It's it's just a it's okay. just a false reap, right? So people Let's explain ch- the position. So we're talking about the difference between there's these two positions, right? There's the the false reap entry, which is the one we're talking about. It's from reverse de la Hiva. Uh If you can follow, well, it doesn't along. even have to be from reverse de la Hiva, but yeah, just for the purposes of this, let's do the setup from reverse de la Hiva. Someone's pushing into you to, to knee cut, and then you throw your outside leg over the top, weave it in, and you essentially invert and take a. a you land in saddle and you take a heel hook. Okay. Yeah. If you didn't follow, just give it a quick Google. Now there's this guy that is from, I think he's from 10th planet. I'm not sure. But anyway, he came up with the jabroni roll, which he recently won B team's internal like competition or like they had this competition and he won it using the jabroni roll. The jabroni roll is the same as the false reap, except instead of keeping your inside leg in that uh, reverse de la Hiva hook position, you take it out for a shin on shin Everything else is the same, except because you don't have your bottom leg trapped in the that reverse de la Hiva, there is a step that you essentially skip, which is uh, taking that out and clearing f- for you to clear the their well, leg a, into. Yeah. It's into, not a step uh, you skip. It's just a different. Like I mean, it's a different entry, but that entry allows you to grab the bite way faster, which he is arguing at the elite level or the top level, or as we mentioned, you know, with everyone getting so good at defense, that crucial step is is required to get the finish, which makes his jabroni, jabroni role far superior to the false reap in his words. Yeah, I'm not I'm not necessarily saying that it's not better. That mm. wasn't that wasn't my point. Like you're saying that it's the same. Well my point is like man, it's fucking negligible. Yeah. Like one goes step one, false reap. Yep. Step two Invert. Step three, clear the leg. Yep. All right. The jabroni roll just goes step one, clear the leg. Step two, false reap. Yep. Step three, invert. Yeah, you're right. Like it's the same, fu- <laughs> yeah, it's right. the same fucking thing, bro. He, he clears That's- the leg at the start instead of on the way through. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay. okay. Like put it this way. No yeah. madman would do this in their right mind, but just bear with me for a second. All right. Go on. If I, if you closed your eyes yep. and I handed you a piece of toast yep. that I had made like a regular person and I put butter on it and then Vegemite, mm. right? <laughs> and then I had another piece of toast where I put Vegemite and then butter. You son of a bitch. And yeah, like a psychopath, <laughs> right? But if you closed your eyes and took a bite from each of them, they're the same fucking thing. Yeah, bro. Right. Well, right? they're not. <laughs> one is correct, one yeah. is wrong. Yeah, that's, you know what I mean? So, Yeah, I, okay, I'm, I get yeah, what you're saying. I'm, you know- but, you, but the I, way you tried I, to explain it was fucked. 
Like, let me just, let, let no, me call you well, out no, here. That was so confusing. I knew you were trying to take the piss. I knew what you were trying to do, but I couldn't figure it out. So I was like, where did yeah, you cause get I, it? Because I messaged you and I was like, bro, have you ever had salt and pepper squid? And you're like, yeah. And I was like, I had this really good one the other day, but it was pepper and salt squid. Okay. I didn't you understand. Over I was text, like, best thing I've ever heard. Over had, text, you know? that didn't make sense because I just read them as the same. And yeah, I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. You, you're changing the subject very <laughs> abruptly about this fucking meal that but you I had. do like salt and pepper squid. So where'd you get it? My response was, yeah, where'd you get it from? <laughs> and you're like, Instagram reels. Yeah, I was like, okay, I get it, but I still don't get yeah. it. I mean, yeah, my, I guess like I I don't want to write off all these, this constant evolution and progression, mm. but it's so, it's so like people are so quick to, to jump ship. Yeah. Right. So for example, yeah. like people are so quick to now like jump ship from the false reap to go, well, the jabroni rolls, rolls way better. Mm. Right. But how, how long I give it, what are we at? Like, you know, first week of Jan, mm. I give it until first week of February before someone's got putting out a thing to say either how to counter the jabroni roll yeah. or a better way to do the jabroni roll. Yeah. Like people are so quick to jump ship and, you know, so you're saying some that- things, some things are, are, are worth jumping ship, but others are not like, it's like other mm. ones are like, you know, I'm going to go back to kind of a, a page of Hodger Gracie's or something where, you know, he says just because it's basic or just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy and yeah, whatever, I like, like you know, and I'm not, so it's a little from column A and it's a little from column B. Sometimes these new evolutions and progressions are far superior and are like, oh, uh, wow, you know, but sometimes it's also just like, you know, you don't need to constantly bloody reinvent the wheel. And so it's a little from both, right? I yes, without, you can't have one without the other. You can't have the progression and evolution of the sport without these constant innovations, but you don't have to so okay. quickly write off every other thing. I agree. But if this guy, right, and if he came out and said, this is a new version of the false reap, everyone would ignore him. That's, that's everyone true. would ignore him. Everyone would be like, okay, or this that's is cool another story, way to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, cool story, bro. Or, or they might be like, oh, cool. I'll check out Craig Jones' false reap. Like, I want to learn about that position. Yeah, yeah. But he's called it the jabroni roll. It's yeah. funny. It's catchy. It worked in you know a, a recent competition of the B team, which got a lot of attention. And now this guy has a YouTube video on it called the jabroni roll, and it's got sixty thousand views yeah, in, in three days. Yeah. In the terms of him getting more Instagram followers, that's why people do it. That's he, why people. Do the octopus guard. That's why the, you know, people are reinventing all these crazy guards or like uh, tarantula guard, your favorite, like adding like- Panda guard. Yeah. Like taking a known concept of a known position, like tweaking it slightly or showing a different look at it that hasn't been done in a little while or hasn't been formally renamed. They rename it, release some content on it to get attention so people view their their content or they use it to, to then sell. And I mean, if this guy then made a jabroni roll instructional, then I'll be like, oh, okay, bro, come on. Well, he probably will. Maybe, maybe he will. But I mean, I, I can see why they do it. Um, but at the end of the day, you're right. The, it's the same entry in, sen- in terms of um, everything else is the same. The setup is from the same style of positions. You need to counterbalance your opponent before you enter. The, you, you still need to clear the leg, except as you pointed out, you do it first. Everything is the fucking same. Everything's except the same. It's except just a reordering of the steps. Exactly. Which I'm not discounting it working and it's, it's prob- credibility. It probably is more effective. It probably is more, yeah. But, you know, like, but I guess this new- is more just me, that, you know, more. Well, it's both, right? Like there is a lot of jumping ship and whatever. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't disagree with what, like, 
No, I kind of do. Like he's he was very intelligent in renaming it and doing all this to, yep. like you say, get all the views and the likes. But I guess that's just my dislike for that is probably just more of a reflection on the current state of the world. <laughs> yeah, the current state of social media and people's intelligence. I mean, I think you did the will- right thing. Willingness like, to just from from my position as a content creator myself, if I came up with that. I would 100% have done the same thing. I wouldn't have called it, a, I wouldn't have been like, hey guys. The this, yeah, I would have literally done the exact same thing. If ever I do come up with something like that, I would do the same thing. Because if I called it the uh, a new look at the false rate, everyone would ignore that shit. Yeah. Everyone yeah. ignore that shit. Yeah. Jabroni roll sounds funny. It's cool. What's his name? I don't even know. No, I know. it is. That's why it's called the Jabroni roll. It's is his, it Jabroni? Yeah, it's his last name. Dude, I that believe. is sick. If his yeah, name yeah, is actually yeah. Jabroni, but I like his YouTube channel now, it went from like, zero subscribers to like 460,000 views on one video, which for the, that doesn't sound like a lot for people uninitiated in the YouTube world, but that's huge. For one of your videos, when you have less than a thousand subscribers to hit 60K in four days, that's called going viral on, yeah, on YouTube, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So, and, and it's only going to grow. And I mean, it's it's good. Like he, he came up with something. He, he had an idea on a, on a known idea. Uh, he tweaked it and then did it at the, a, a decent level of competition. Yeah. Whether or not we see that at the elite level now, and I'd like to see you know Craig's take on it and yada yada yada. And like you said, there probably is a reason that Craig doesn't do that, or maybe there is, and maybe there's a very obvious counter, or maybe there's well, something maybe, very um, wrong. Man, I'm sure you pull up enough Craig footage. Mm. I guarantee you, you'll see times yeah. where he's done essentially a false reap, but the leg has been cleared first. Yeah. I fucking guarantee you. Yeah, he, he just didn't name it something, and you know, yeah. but it has got me thinking if I should do a video called Lefebvre Toast and the Vegemite will go on first. (laughs) (laughs) You name that after yourself, you sick bastard. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned Hodger Gracie there and I did have a point here um, that Hodger in his recent uh, podcast with Lex Friedman, Friedman, he spoke about that open guard and leg locks are high risk for self-defense just to circle back to, you know, what we've been talking about with side control. And I think side control can be viewed as the same thing because it's a control position uh, that you need to progress, right? Into You need to use that as a stepping stone into other positions. Side control in unto itself works in self-defense because it's a controlling position that you can use to get even more control. The reason that we're saying at the end of the day that this doesn't work or is a air quote bad position from Craig Jones in Nogi is because a lot of that control has been taken away in, in Nogi against a trained opponent. Yeah, yeah, I mean- it's still a, a fundamental position that you need to learn and, and mm. understand. And, you know, if you don't understand side control, how are you going to buggy choke someone from the bottom, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of resources for side control, I mean, there are, I wouldn't say there's someone out there who I look at and go, man, they're a beast side control top or bottom like mm. e- even if i look at man who's impossible to keep inside control i want to learn how to escape side control honestly for me it, it just kind of goes back to conceptually like mm. i spoke about like wrestlers getting you know off there it's not like i see some crazy dude who does the best regarding from side control mm. or, or something like that um chances are if, if that person exists they probably don't often get their guard pass because they've probably got absurdly good guard retention to begin mm. with. But if I look at who has really good side control top and if I wanted to learn some cool side control top stuff, you know, I think um, Marcelo Garcia is, you know, really good. Obviously, and you know, 
can't argue with anything from Gordon Ryan. He's always really good. Even just look at his ability to smother someone from side control top and then transition to mount. You know, I mean, a lot of Gordon's uh, Gordon often really goes straight from half guard to mount because yeah. he's so good at getting chest to chest half guard. And then you know, uh, side control is not a bad position, but it's not as good as mount. So yeah. if I was passing through half guard, the only time I would take side control over mount is if I couldn't get mount for whatever reason right and you know then if they're giving me side control i'll take that but yeah like obviously anything from gordon ryan is incredibly good um if you want to learn some cool fancier stuff um Tariq hopscotch who does the um tacu platter and all that like sets that up really nicely from from uh from side control the Rotolo brothers with all their savage DAS chokes that they hit from anywhere. Obviously, they're re- a really good option from side control. So there's a you know a few really high level current guys who do it. If you're a bit more into the old school stuff, obviously Hodger Gracie, incredibly absurdly good control from side control, and yeah. again would like to transition to mount. Very well known for his cross collar choke from mount. You know, but there's not for me a particular one resource that like really jumps out like there is with you know mount you instantly go hodger gracie you know who's the best who's the goat of of taking the back and back control marcelo garcia right oh who's the goat of deep half guard bernard faria or whatever there's no one person for me that jumps out in my mind um to think about who's absurdly good at side control although um the one person that does just come to mind is Adolfo Vieira, who is, um, you know, retired now, but a multiple-time world champion and known for incredibly good passing and passing pressure, and that would lead into really good side control. So he's someone else that might be worth digging up. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, that's a good place to leave it. If you – because we did mention it a lot, the, the – um, in the, in the intro and everything to kick us off in the episode, the less impressed, more involved uh, BJJ video on site control. So I'm going to put a link to that in the, in the description of this episode. So check that out. If you want to, you want to see that and see the context of what we're talking about. Um, but otherwise stay tuned for the next episode, the next installment, which should also be positional series. Or the positional series. Or a potential derailment. <laughs> You'll just have to wait and Who see. Because <laughs> we don't. <laughs> and if you want to support the show, the best way to do that, you can do it completely for free. Just subscribe to our YouTube channel. We just started a brand new YouTube channel as of like late last year. Uh, so please head over and subscribe to that. The link you can find uh, for that is in the uh, description of this episode. Uh, and you, if you are watching on YouTube, just click that subscribe button. And uh, yeah. And ding the notification bell and all that crap. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Uh, All right, next time. Bye. 